Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to today's episode. And before we get to today's episode, I just want to explain what this uh, fellow means to me and uh, how important of a podcast today's episode is to me because uh, this guy right here is probably the only reason uh, or the main reason I started this, um, that I had the nuts to do it. And uh, yeah, so so this is documented and so my kids can hear it and uh you guys can understand why I would start a podcast and uh, have the nuts to do it. I'm going to try and do this. Here we go. This is the email I read in the airport in Cardiff, leaving after Wally night. Wally, Lord and I both looked it up last night. You played a grand total of 84 games for the Cardiff Devils. That's it. That's every league cup and playoff game during your year and a bit on the ice as a Cardiff Devil. You maybe have the best connection with the fans of any former player we have had here in Cardiff during our five years in charge. 84 games just shouldn't make you one of the most popular players in franchise history, but somehow it made you just that. I want to remind you how important you always were to this club and always will be. Also, you can tell your kids and your coworkers how good of a hockey player you were. You might not remember, but you scored 29 goals that first year in Cardiff in all competitive games, league, cup, playoffs. That's two more than Joey Martin scored, two more than Jake Morissette scored, and two more than Joey Haddad scored, who all finished with 27 that year. That's three legends for this club, and I know without injury, you would have been in all those championship photos we have had over the last few years along with those guys. You were part of that first team, that group of misfits that we threw together in about three weeks that somehow turned out to be probably the closest group of guys we ever had. You led our team in scoring in the Challenge Cup competition, that epic first championship we won after we took things over in Cardiff. And yes, we partied way, way too hard after winning that title and completely threw away our chance at winning the league but i think that is part of what made that team that team i'm hoping someday to be allowed back to that hotel in sheffield but that someday is still a long way off we brought you back here this weekend because of what you meant to the fans and all of us that had the pleasure of getting to know you on and off the ice in my head i thought it would be fun i even anticipated some of the antics but just like you did so many times on the ice your performance exceeded my expectations. From the pregame chat in the bar to the pregame performance of the locker room to the flag waving in block 13, it was pure Wally. It seems that somehow what you decided to do for the team to keep things light and fun when you were injured 
and couldn't play anymore became the more talked about part of your time in Cardiff, but it isn't because we think less of your on-ice contribution, but rather it's because not many guys would do what you did to make their teammates laugh or to help the team win. Dressing up as a Viking or the Incredible Hulk or Thor, always naked, which somehow makes them all even better, became this legendary part of that team. It kept things light. It kept things fun, which is a huge part of why guys love playing hockey, a game for a living. So what you did on Saturday wasn't just hilarious, but it was legendary and it was pure Wally. I don't think another retired hockey player anywhere in the world would start the night out in the locker room with a naked skit in front of a group of 22 guys where only eight even knew who you were. Follow that up with a ceremonial puck drop three minutes later. Join the fans in the stands, take off your shirt, and wave that huge flag, all with red spray paint all over your body. Nobody would, but I tell you what, loads would love to, but they don't because it's not in them, and that's okay. But it's in you, and that's what I love about you. You wander over to the standing block because you just have to. You pick up the flag and start waving it because you want to. You take off your shirt because that makes it better. And you don't ever discuss if you should spray paint your body, but if it is the right color. I wish I could teach all players to understand the importance of relationships with fans, sponsors, people outside of their own little circle. Some get it, but some don't. They don't engage with fans the way you did. They don't know the people that support them by name. You didn't just make connections, you made friends. You built relationships with so many fans, and that is why you are still so popular. As for Lisa, you are lucky to find someone that understands you as well as her. She is a total gem. I'm glad she got to see Cardiff outside of a hockey rink, an apartment, and a few kids' play areas. I am also so glad I got to hang out with her and talk to her without either of our kids climbing all over us. You couldn't be you without her, so be grateful you have such a cool wife. In closing, thank you for reminding me how important fun is when your job is nothing more than putting on a game each week. Thank you for reminding our players that the real world isn't as much fun as what they get to do every day. Thank you for reminding all of us how important it is to connect with our fans. You have so many intangibles you just can't teach. You can't teach a quiet guy to talk more. You can't teach a shy person to go meet new people. You can't teach guys to want to sign every last autograph or let their personality shine through off the ice as well as on it. But I am going to try to do a better job of ensuring guys understand how vital that side of the business is. Be more Wally. That is what I'm going to think when I'm taking my job or my life too serious. Final thought. In three or four weeks when the spray paint has worn off, when Lisa has stopped shaking her head at you, when your liver has stopped being mad at you, when your work colleagues have stopped showing the video of you waving the flag of Block 13 to each other on their phones before every meeting, reread this email and remind yourself to never take life too serious, to always be ready to pick up that metaphorical flag and start waving it, and to always, always be willing to spray paint your body to make people laugh. Just maybe choose a water-based paint next time. There are a lot of safe products on the market these days. Be more Wally. That's it. So I'm sure everybody could tell what that guy means to me at the Cardiff Devils. And uh, 
he is why I have a podcast and I am Wally again. I found him again. And uh, that email and that night was uh, was a huge, huge reason in that. So thank you, Mr. Kelman. Sorry for crying again, folks. Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 46-year-old from Calgary, Alberta, a sixth-round draft pick of the St. Louis Blues, as a player, a three-time British Super League champion, an EIHL League champion, an EIHL second-team All-Star, like yours truly, Jersey was retired by the Belfast Giants, but we're not sure if he retired his own jersey. As a GM, he was a three-time Challenge Cup champion, an EIHL KO Cup, not sure what that is, a five-time EIHL League title winner, which is the big one there, folks, and a three-time playoff champ. And this episode is brought to you by Naya Security. Welcome to the podcast, Todd Killer Kalman. <laughs> what what an intro! My goodness, wow! Thank you, Wally. This, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of in, I don't know I don't know if I'm pissed off or I'm, I'm embarrassed that like I, I I must be like the fiftieth person you've had on the podcast. You had your opportunity. I never did. I called you weeks ago and I said, "Get me on the show," and you're like okay, uh, I've got the next seven weeks lined up with, with a three a week. You're, um, you're, do you want, put, are we being honest right now? Are we the honest circles? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to hurt pigs' feelings. <laughs> you were the first one. As soon as I came up with the idea, you were the first one I texted and I said, I want you to be the first. And then you ghosted me. And I, okay. and then I was like, you know what? He doesn't deserve to be first. If he's going <laughs> to ghost me. <laughs> Sorry. And it wasn't a purpose ghost. It was, it was accidental. I, Every, no, sorry. but I, I find the timing of everybody coming on. It, it just all works out perfectly. And it's it kind of all goes the way I want it to go. Like I throw out some feelers to people and they don't bite at the time. And it makes sense then that I get who I get. And you know, it just, it all falls into place and I'm very happy. Pigs was the first. And um, it, it's time for you to come on because I guess, I just saw that like on the internet there when the research team had to hit elite prospects quick. Um, I saw that um, the pod was just uh, ranked. Uh, it was the top 20 interesting podcasts in the UK for 2021. Wow. And um, congratulations. Yeah, was, congratulations. That's huge. Yeah. It was like best startup or something was like the website. Wow. I'm not sure what it was, but it was cool to see. Wow. <laughs> from my shed in concarden yeah Yeah. um so anyways um i kind of this what what i do is i get into how we know each other and um realistically you're kind of the reason i started this um because you had a wally night and uh (laughs) you know like you you got me back like five years out of the game yeah but Wally, wally talk about talk about how you got to cardiff in the first place the fact that do you remember the story? You, you, yeah. So can I tell my version of it? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Okay. So there's a website. It's called like Sports Contract or Sports Contact, something like that. And basically, I, I know it's a bigger business now, but this is what, seven years ago or six years ago, seven years ago, 
I never looked at it. And I was really bad because people would, would message me saying, hey, I, I, I put my name into your sports contract uh, as available and I never heard from you. And I'm like, I didn't even know what that is. And then finally, someone from sports contract or contact, is it contact or contract? Not a clue. Okay, so they, <laughs> they messaged me and they said, hey, Mr. Kelman, you've had this free account for three years running Belfast and, uh, and do you want to continue it in Cardiff? I, I must've said yes. And I never looked at it, never looked at it. And then I logged in one day, randomly logged in one day and you're there must have been honestly 500 messages in there from players over the last like decade right that I've never read and and your name was at the top of the list and and if that that was the summer where basically me and Lordo had like whatever three weeks or six weeks to put together a team and and uh, I saw your name at the top of the list I looked you up and then I messaged you and then Basically, we had one conversation, I think, and then you were signed, right? So I always, so Lordo, Lordo's done like, Lordo, like Franny helps, helped out Lordo with names and stuff that year, probably more that year than any other year. Besides that, I, I, I maybe got involved with one or two players a year, but I always claimed you as my player. I'd be like, how's my player doing? So, uh, so you were always my guy. So when you led the team in goals, I was, I was pretty impressed with myself. Uh, that was, uh, I guess it was the summer that like Colby's little, like he's a toddler. Um, Zoe is in the oven and I finished second in the Danish league in scoring and we win the championship and it's like July and I got nothing. And my agent keeps saying, maybe here, maybe there. And I'm like, what are we doing here? And I had that thing whatever it was called um from i guess when i was in university and i didn't have an agent or something and i went on there and i went behind like i guess behind my agent's back whatever you want to call it but i sent out a mass email to every coach that was in or whoever i saw in the uk from the teams that dan seaman told me to message and he told me to message the belfast giants and that was you sir (laughs) I think it was still in Belfast and my, my account still was the Belfast Giants. Probably. Absolutely. You know, I was messaging I Belfast. I've literally never looked at it since. Neither I, just have thought, I. <laughs> I, I, I just thought I've done it. I got my one player out of here. I'm never looking again. Um, it's not really an advertisement for sports contact or contract. I should know the name by now, but Hey, we hit the jack, but why ever go back? You know, I didn't, I don't need to go back there ever again. <laughs> I never went back to that website either. Yeah, it was very bizarre how it worked out. You were messaging Belfast. You were messaging me in Belfast. Absolutely. It said you were the GM of Belfast. And then you wrote back saying, our coach will call you soon. It's Andrew Lord, but I'm with Cardiff Devils now. And I was like, hold on, where am I going? Because I just played against him like a year or two ago in second league in Germany. I'm like, that guy was way younger than me. So why is he the coach? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that is how we did uh, first get in contact. And then uh, we did have the 2014-15 Devils season, um, which was which was a time. eh? Oh, maybe my favorite year as a general manager probably is my favorite year as a general manager. Yeah, I I loved it. That's like I think the whole year just I mean, you go ahead. You, you, You probably got something to start with, but that is. That is one of my favorite years. That that whole group of guys that um, me and Lordo talk about it. We still talk about it. We still like probably on a daily basis. We still talked about it when when he was here. And now when I talk to him now every once in a while, we still reference something from that year. You know. So, oh, 
I know it's uh, it, it was it was quite the year. And uh, folks, if you can hear a bunch of kids screaming in the background, because that is what's real life. And they're on my trampoline and there's nothing I can do about it at the moment. But during that season, um, our son's part. This is other reasons why we know each other, because I don't like I've talked about that season so many times on this. It's the best time of my life. Um, rugby tots. Tato, Tato and Colby. Yeah. yeah, Colby, Colby wouldn't say my kid's name, so called him Tato. Still, still probably does. It's because uh, we had a book called Super Tato, which was a super potato. Yeah, just for the knowledge of people out there, I, I named my child Mateo, not not Tato, but Colby <laughs> couldn't say Mateo, so we called him Tato. Um, and yeah, they played rugby together. We they played rugby tots. We loved it. That was like our time together. Yeah, and uh, they went. They did a lot together, actually. <laughs> it was sad. Like I, I had a real problem when when Cole. Not so much when you left for for my family, but more for when Colby left. We had to, uh, we had a, we had a that, real thanks. meltdown. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that that doesn't hurt at all. Thanks. That doesn't <laughs> hurt at all. Um, and the and that was the other thing was um, I do remember the first time we discussed a return for the 2015-16 season where, geez, you really got fleeced on that one, but um was that was at a play place that was at like the cheeky monkey where the kids are jumping up and down everybody's got boogers everywhere and we're like running around with our toddlers with yeah just and that was like you were like so what do you think of coming back and i was like i don't know <laughs> right yeah, i remember that exactly yeah yeah and you're like i think you said to me well, I didn't come here with you to talk about this, but if we're here, <laughs> so I, at the uh, play place there, the cheeky monkey, we were discussing our return, which that next season got real weird. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that is part of another reason why we know each other. There's a lot here was you, I just wrote down my notes, say knee and letting Waltons stay. Yeah, that sums it up, right? So when did you get injured? Oh, it was like the first time I kind of heard it was like literally. Remember how good you were? Like, remember you came back here in like the the gag ball, the gag ball. God, you were God, you were flying though that those first few games. My mm -hmm. goodness. No, it was the one game. It was the first preseason game. I was going so fast, I didn't know what I was doing, and I like <laughs> was gonna split the D, and the guy got like got me by the knee with his knee and uh from that day on it just wasn't the same but my gosh that first game i was buzzing around flying absolutely flying all the preseason the old camp and everything you were flying flying yeah i think the kids call it yoked that's what they're calling it todd <laughs> um but uh i'm about to uh crack a cabinet maker here from my my sponsor the bayfield brewery um, but today's sponsor, the headline sponsor is Naya Security, Todd. I'm yeah. sure you've, I'm sure you've heard of the company because they've been Devils fans for 15 years. I know, I know them well. I know them well. Oh man. They just yearn. They yearn. They love the Devils. They miss it so much. And that, you know, you know what they provide? Cause I do. They provide man guarding, door supervisors, key holding and alarm response, CCTV supply and install, stewarding events security that's where you come into play todd but they're they're uh, ricky and martin maloney family company great people and uh you know what they're providing folks today for the the fans is uh 
15% off any domestic CCTV supply and install, and 10% off first month for manned guarding services for commercial clients. Todd, I know you're kind of like Justin Bieber in Cardiff, and you could use some security sometimes, um, but um, I, I do know they yearn to be back with the devils um, and providing event security, um, just like I yearn to be back around the devils too, you know? All right, I'll keep that in mind. They're good. Do you know that Martin Martin and Ricky, Martin, uh, their previous company, I can't remember what it was called actually, but um, Martin... Martin was one of the first sponsors I met when I came to Cardiff. Like the first three days I was here, I went to his office and chatted with him and Ricky. And yeah, so I've been, I've been friendly with them ever since. They're good people for sure. Yeah. Well, just keep it in mind that um, they do provide a great uh, security service. And like they were the ones, as we've discussed before, that, you know, kept me from like killing Noble and Joey Martin from throwing more than one water bottle. Like they got him in and out of the way really quick in the big gold blue big blue tent eh? i'll keep that in mind yeah they did yeah. actually remember that yeah yeah no they like you know because joey martin was not going to throw just one water bottle that day folks it was going to be more than one and they protected him we're not going to hold that against them they're good people as todd said so moving on um you did let us stay i don't know where we went with that but you let i got oh i got hurt like in by the time we realized I literally couldn't come back was November. Yeah. Like it was yeah. early, man. It was like, Oh, I know you were, you were really worried that I was, we were going to send you home. Right. Well, I, like I, most teams would like, I'm, I have a, no value to you anymore. Like I cannot score a goal or get an assist again. But you know what? The, you know why we did it? We, like you're not the first players and you're certainly not going to be the last player that we did it for. We did it. It's going to sound cheesy. We did it because it's the right thing to do. Because right now, if you if we hadn't done it, you wouldn't be talking well good things about Cardiff. You'd be you'd be pissed off. You'd be on someone else's podcast, complaining about how the Cardiff Devils screwed you over. And um, there's been players throughout throughout my career as a general manager that that have had similar situations. And one example is a guy named Rich Seeley, who's the GM of the Ontario Reign in the American Hockey League. He got hurt October, blew his knee out when I was in Belfast. And we kept him around the whole year. He finished his school, everything like that. And if there's ever a guy I need to send, uh, like if any players ever worry about how we take care of them, Rich Seeley uh, was a guy that I'd always send them to. And, and he, he's done so much to give us players over the years and, and look where he's gotten in hockey. And, and uh, you can't have too many guys talking good things about your organization. And, and same with you. Like you're, you're not going to ever bitch about the, the, the Cardiff Devils because I, we, I'm pretty we, much a brand ambassador. Like that's yeah. what I've been since I left um, yeah. because of the way I was treated. And it's well documented now. Um, like now that I have a podcast and basically we just pump your tires the whole time, but like you deserve it. And what you did for me changed my life. Um, so thank you. Even though, even though your lovely wife, one of my favorite wives in the history of hockey, <laughs> even though the day you guys moved into your apartment the second year, you complained about the, the smell of it, so we had to move you out. Well, she was a strange neighborhood there. <laughs> it's not my fault. I didn't pick the apartment. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't the people who picked that apartment. It wasn't Lisa's fault. We asked for three bedrooms, and that's what came up, and it... Uh, <clears throat> 
we went with a two bedroom. <laughs> yes, you did. A really nice two bedroom though. Yeah, but I, I literally have never called a, a GM or coach to complain about anything in my life. So that was weird. That was the first time I've ever done it. It was really weird. I, was, I remember that too, because like, I think you and Lisa were both worried that I was going to flip out or something. I just thought it was, I was like, yeah, it's fine. We'll move you out. It's okay. Right. But then, yeah, I just had never complained about anything in my, <laughs> about really much. So it was weird, but I had, you know, it all worked out. We got the nice place overlooking the bay. You could see everything. Yeah. Like it was a beautiful spot. And like the apartments you guys provided in Cardiff were the best ones I lived in in Europe. And it was not even close. The lifestyle in Cardiff, everything, man. It's just the, it's the best. But you know that you're living there now, right? Which gets us into, oh, not yet. Random question. Yeah. Rand, random question before we get into where and what are you doing now is where did the nickname killer come from? I've heard the story before, but I was, you know, I'm just curious. You're, uh, you're uh, the owner there. Um, episode about, I think 24, Steve King. What a dandy. Um, I think um, he mentioned that maybe I should ask. Um, <laughs> it's I don't I don't know if I want to tell it. I don't know. I don't know if I should tell it. Well, they said I'm one of the top interesting stories in the UK. Like if you can't tell the interesting stories, then. So, um, so yeah. So when I was playing junior, um, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't, can I, can I skip, can you cut this out? I honestly don't want to tell it. No, that's fine. You don't have to tell us. I, I, I are you, can you pause this and not put this out? Oh, don't worry about it. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. No, no, it's a, it's a good story, but like, it's, um, yeah. it's, you're not allowed to talk about it. No, I can, will you promise to cut this out? I'll tell you the fun, the best part about the story. Well, no, I can't cut things out. Like I don't edit the shit, man. This is me and my shed talking to my friends. Well, I thought, okay. Then I can't tell you the, I can't tell you why I don't want to tell it. I just okay. don't want to tell Okay, then don't, then don't. I'm pretty sure I've heard the story anyways, but uh, whatever. It's okay. I didn't think it was that bad, but. I, no, it's not, it's not bad at all. It's not, it's, it's not bad at all. I've told it a million times. I just, I just, I just don't want to tell it right now. I'll explain later why. Hmm. Well, now you're just going to make the listeners even more intrigued. So, well, good luck getting bugged about it for the next year in Cardiff <laughs> when the hockey season's actually back, baby, which gets us into. Where and what are you doing now? Because you guys are almost going to get to actually play freaking hockey. Yeah. So we're uh, we're just gearing up. We're signing players. We're we're building a new team with a new coach. It's exciting. It's, it's like the good old days. It's like that first summer before but when we first took over the Devils. It feels like that summer again. Um, yeah. Like we're we're gonna have a lot of new faces because uh, we had a lot of guys leave. We had a few guys retire. But it's fun. Yeah. Like we're uh, me and Franny. We're just on a a zoom call with, uh, with Scaldi there before we, before I talk to you. So we're talking all the time and you, you kind of forget because we've had so many guys every year coming back, you kind of forget dealing with a whole bunch of guys. Like, you know, like we're, we're probably going to end up with 10 or 12 new guys, maybe more, you know, it's, it's, uh, it honestly reminds me of that first year. Cause I always have, I always have this thing where I, I never feel completely secure with the team until they arrive. I don't, it's like a nervous thing. Like, whereas when you have returning guys, you feel comfortable. You like, okay, well, you know, I signed him back. So I know he'll be, be here, but I've just over the years, you've always, I've always had a few guys like 
you know, like it just the whole thing going to Europe, right? Like just going yeah. overseas or just, yeah. they all of a sudden get some job at home and they can't come and it's the last second. And you're like, well, hold on. Like you said, you're coming, right? Yeah. And there's, and like, you think of like a guy, we had a guy named Tom Parisi a few years ago. We were pumped about him coming. He showed up. I was away for the weekend. He showed up, dropped the puck at a game, uh, took one practice and left. And we never, we never saw him ever again. And, uh, that was like three years ago or four years ago. I, I never even met him. Uh, I was away. I can't remember where I was, but, um, and you know, it's, it, I just always get nervous until they come like, cause, cause hockey players are hockey players, you know, in, in, and especially coming to Europe, you know, there's nothing until they, until they land here. I'm always nervous, always nervous. Yeah. It makes I sense. I shouldn't say that. Cause it's, it's never, it's probably happened twice or three times in my 14 years, but you just, it's like that sick feeling, you know, like I, I, I will relax as soon as all 20 guys arrive, you know? Well, the other thing is, is everybody does have their personal lives, right? And then you get their wives and girlfriends or whoever involved back in Canada or wherever they are. And that shits out of your control. Um, yeah. But that's just the life of what we live, right? Like it's a weird life that hockey players live, really. A lot of fun though. <laughs> sure is. Yes. <laughs> Especially in the UK. That was literally by far the most fun I've ever had were those two years. And one of the, the years was like the darkest time of my life too. So um, strange yep. times. It was like the best time, but the worst. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, it was, it was tough. Cause I remember that year. It was tough to, for a guy that we love so much to, to see what you're going through and, it was weird. It was, it was such a strange year moving into the new rink and we we're all excited. And, and do you remember like some of the stuff I had you do? Do you remember you sold tickets with us? You oh, like I, I messed a couple things up oh. the first day. I remember Never. like, I didn't know about these flex tickets or whatever they were, man. They caught me right off guard or the intermediates or oh. then all of a sudden you had the handicap seats at the end of the aisle and everybody's calling me. And I was like, and then I was like, Todd, I think I just sold all these for the same price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there was like, like, well, in fairness, we had no, we, we moved to the new rink. The rink tells us, the people running the rink tell us we got this great ticketing system. We find out the great ticketing system is actually, we don't have a ticketing system. So we buy two pay-as-you-go mobile phones. We sit, <laughs> Put me at the charge. Yeah, we, we sit close to the window and we take, we take 3,000 calls for 3,000 tickets. And if you remember the one week, I'll never forget it. Me, me you, and Agland, we're all selling tickets. <laughs> And if anyone can remember that first game, we oversold by accident, like 300 tickets. And what had happened is we all, we all had this, we all had a spreadsheet and we were all selling the same block at the same time. And <laughs> do you remember this? And we sold, we all sold the same block. We're all like, Oh yeah. So uh, I just sold, uh, I think it was like block, say it was block 20 or something. And Aglin's like, what are you talking about? I just sold block 20. Well, I just sold block 20. So we knew that, a shit storm was coming that first weekend. And, and I think we honestly had maybe three or 400 too many, too many ticket sales the first weekend. We weren't doing it to like make more money. We were doing it because we're, we're fucking stupid. Isn't yeah, it? no, but like, and the thing is, is what's awesome about it. It's like, like we, that's what I kind of love. And that's how my life is. And like with the way I do this podcast where I just kind of send out a text and see what happens. And then, like, I don't really know what's going to be planned. And then all of a sudden I got way too many people lined up and then I'm like, Jesus Murphy, what am I doing? But like, we were like, Cardiff was kind of flying by the seat of our pants. And like, that was like, 
until I became a master of business and project management, where you actually plan shit out and learn from your mistakes. Um, like I, I love just living off by the seat of my pants. And that's what Cardiff was those first two years. Like when I played there the first year, I loved it because everybody was just getting to know each other. Nobody knew each other. Lord was learning how to be a player coach. Franny's being the bench. It was just, everybody yeah. was learning. And then the next year, yeah, it just was, you know, uh, so, so much funny stuff. Like we, it's, it's, I always say to Lordo, like if it, hopefully he makes the NHL and he hopefully writes a book about, about making the NHL as a coach. And I, I, I said, I need, I just need a chapter. I need a chapter in there to describe that first year in Cardiff. Like I think of like, I just think of arriving, like even, even little things like arriving with my wife, checking out the big blue tent compared to the arena in Belfast. Think of the Odyssey arena in Belfast, how nice it is <laughs> coming to the big blue tent. Moving my office into a porta cabin out back. Um, Deese is the equipment manager. That should be a, a, a whole series of podcasts right there. Just like you know, remember things like we'd have the ice baths. They were they were garbage bins. The ice baths. Yeah. Deese would Deese would literally let them overflow every single game. And there there there's like wires wires <laughs> going from my porta cabin into the skate sharpening machine. Open wires, water flowing over these open wires, and I'm like Deese we're not just spilling water. We're going to kill the team. Like we're going to electrocute the whole fucking team. And, and, and we've just, and, and, and I was like, how do you, how do you, the ice baths overflow like 22 games in a row? They overflow. You can't, it, it's, it's, it's mind boggling, but. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. You just got to have him sharpen skates, chirp the boys. You can't be having him fill up cold tubs. That's no. not in his job description. Hey, <laughs> No, definitely not. But, no, I, I love, don't. I love the guy. So. I think that's when we, everybody was just really getting to know cold tubs and everything in the UK. I don't think that was a real thing until Lordo had us getting in garbage cans. <laughs> yeah, you could barely climb in there, poor guy. Hey, you think I wanted to? I was forced. <laughs> Lordo was like forceful with me. He wouldn't even let me have the bagels. <laughs> Everybody else is like, isn't it awesome? We get bagels now in the room at, for breakfast. And I do his whole gag ball workout for the summer. And then I think I get to start living again. Like I'm back to like, I get to live again. And I go to put a bagel in the toaster, the first practice of the second year. And he looked at me like he was so disappointed that I was going to have a freaking bagel. Oh man. So funny. So funny. Okay. We got to move on. Um, move on. The only other thing I had really written down was uh, finding out about Wally Knight because that was a day I'll never forget. But uh, uh, that can come up when I have on Parker someday. Um, I think you guys are in Gratz or something, but it was a cool phone call to get right when I arrived home from work. Um, but the other thing was that, like, for yourself and I to really bond as general manager and player was we did uh, like we hit the, the playgrounds and some play places, but we also hit Pembo's Christmas party. We did. We did. <laughs> one of the, one of our legendary nights, poor Pembo, Dave Pemberton, our team doctor, he used to uh, have like a, a catered party for like the whole team at Christmas. Right. Same one that did my knee surgery. Yep. And, um, and, he uh he yeah he, he had this big cater party and spent a lot of money brought in chefs and everything and and like and i totally get it. i i love the guy he's a very nice guy his family's great and they were great to us 
the 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 thing is like people that know me i think i think lordo gets all the credit for being very anal about like players drinking and eating shit and stuff like that but like i'm kind of like that with them too and i remember the first year we found out that that like you know every year like the 26 or something like that or the 23rd even there's a huge party at pembos with the whole team and do you remember that i was like no 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 our team is not going and getting bombed and eating like like stuffing themselves and boozing it up all of them on like the 23rd when we have a game on the 26th it was i know i think it was almost like almost like the night before a game like it was like a like they did it the night before a game and it was like a tradition that the whole team got together and got pissed the night before a game and i don't think any of the fans knew about this but i remember saying to franny like franny this cannot happen he's like it has to happen it happens every year and i'm like it's not happening this year and man were people pissed off at me not the players but like franny was pretty upset i think uh tembo definitely was and and they and so me and you went i think yeah. when you did you did marshy come with us too was marshy hurt or something like that oh it was just the two of us i'm pretty sure like i, I don't think marshy was there for that one I think like, the year before maybe marshy went with me and franny i think because he was maybe hurt but yeah that year it was me and you and there was food for about i don't know 30 50 maybe we had a blast. So remember, Kemble was bringing out the expensive wine. Oh, and, oh. I never drank wine that expensive. You don't drink that kind of wine in Kincardine. Um, I had never seen it before, but it was some pretty cool stuff there that we were just crushing it like I was in Kincardine. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. And they were great hosts and good people and all that. But uh, yeah, I, I feel bad because I, I, I'm so, I, I mean, I, over the years, the amount of wives that have complained about practicing at Christmas and stuff like that, but like, I don't care. I could care less. Like, like I, I, I have to deal with one wife who can be mad at me. That's my wife. I don't really care if someone else's wife is mad at me. So, um, but yes, there's been wives over the years that have complained about practicing at Christmas time, but like, this is the thing with Cardiff. Like when I was in Belfast, I would try to play Cardiff at Christmas every year. Cause we didn't know why we just knew they always sucked sometime around Christmas. Well, that's now, a pretty good pickup. Like now that's a, know. Yeah, that is, we do know why, but like, that's a pretty good pickup that you guys did pick up on that. Cause I remember you saying to me, I used to always pick games to play against them right around Christmas. Cause they're just terrible. But then when you were talking about like the wives complaining about like practicing at Christmas is like, it's very interesting. Cause you would know more than anybody, which this is the more interesting part of the podcast and my notes is like my wife, went from I guess like college um to then us living apart for a year while I'm in the coast and she's doing school and whatever um and then we decide we're going to Germany together and then we get there and it is what it is and we're like 22 23 years old and we're like well let's roll with the punches and like everything's fine but like when you look back on it we went into the apartment that the one couple said wasn't good enough and we were like okay it's fine and we just kind of always lived that way and we just but then we went to Beatingheim, got better apartments and everything was great but like you just kind of learned that that was the life over there and you don't complain and you get what you get and then you you for your job and what you do you're going to get people from the nhl and their wives that were in the nhl which would be a different life even the ahl i don't know how anybody gets married that plays in the ahl or really the east coast i don't understand that part of life but um like you would have all different breeds eh 
yeah definitely and and like the thing is yeah like i mean i i don't know what to say because it's it's um it's just one of those things and the thing is like you tell you can tell guys at the beginning of the season i just don't know if they believe us so i'd be like you're probably going to practice like depending on when christmas falls you you're probably practicing christmas day and because and you know what we always say we are treating it like a normal week so if there's if if you would normally play on a saturday we wouldn't give you thursday friday off right so if if christmas day is friday and and we play on this saturday you're practicing on christmas day like i i can't remember the last time someone's had christmas day off but um oh yeah that's over the years that's the only thing that's ever been a, a real issue and it's only been one or two people and the thing is like i mean when you think about it if you if you're here you, christmas is probably it's you're probably going to be at the ring for about an hour and a half maybe total like suck it up <laughs> yeah no it, they don't get it they don't get it todd <laughs> no, what, they, no, they have no idea what it's really like hockey players <laughs> um yeah we sh- that should be the podcast what the real world is like compared- <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things it could be about the other thing could be about how hard it is getting out of hockey because yeah. th- that's what most guys i have on after hours, after we talk about it, they say, this is what we sh- you should talk about more. And I was like, I do understand it. I know how hard it is. I have been through it. And it's like always a thing, right? But like until I found this and you were a big reason in that, like so many people struggle, but like I'm a fun podcast. I'm not I'm not here to bring everybody down. That's not what I am. It, it, it's, a, it's a thing. Like it is, it is tough. Like I like I always say to people, like it, the hardest part about leaving hockey, the, the, the way to, to look at it, I think is like for, for the guys at this level, they, and I was the same way. I, I used to tell my friends, I used to say, you know what? I wish I was a little better or a little worse at hockey because a little bit better, I would have made a lot of money and a little bit worse. I would have never enjoyed like playing pro hockey, not making enough money to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, that's a, that's a hundred percent where like basically my podcast lands. That's exactly yeah. who I'm having on. The yeah. people who love hockey, they were almost good enough, but they weren't bad enough to stop after say junior B or yeah. like that's even true. college, like yeah. even college. I remember like a conversation with the kid that was like, well, you're going off to play pro and you're going to go do this and do that. And he's like, I'm done. And I'm like, well, like, it, then it never even crosses your mind to be done when the doors keep opening, but then you never do get your payday. <laughs> oh, no, I, I just think it's, I, I just remember that there's so many funny stories about it. Like I, but yeah, like, I, and that's, that's what I used to tell my friends. I wish I was a little bit better, a little bit worse. Nothing, you know, and, and makes um, sense, <laughs> but <laughs> But you know what? I, I wouldn't trade it. I, I absolutely like I, I think I'm spoiled because I never had to leave hockey. Right. Like I, I I've got the perfect job for someone out, out of uh, after playing for sure. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky with what I get to do. So. Well, yeah, but you were born to do what you're doing. But um, just so the folks know, I did just uh, finish that cabinet maker, which I never talked about earlier, because that is. I'm going to talk about it like I'm part of the family because I basically am because we were just there for our anniversary. Um, The Bayfield Brewing Company, um, which we sat out front on the patio. Beautiful people watching, folks. You get to see people walk by. You get to check out all the different breeds out there. And then in the back, it's more like a lounge area where it's all just casual. You can't really see all the hustle and bustle. 
it's it it's a great spot the food was incredible and the beer too like uh like the cabinet maker here which is our first and flagship beer the canadian pale ale is a balanced flavorful ale made with ontario grown ingredients on this first sip the hop aromas hit you and by the third the ale has really balanced out the name the cabinet maker is an ode to one of canada's most influential 19th century craftsman who lived married raised a family and operated his shop in bayfield Brewmaster Ryan Keyes is also a master craftsman and has made furniture showcased in their brewery. So there you go, Todd. Just well, trust. You know, when I'm whenever I'm near King Garden, Ontario, I like to stop by the Bayfield Brewing Company as well. You really should because, right. like, it, like I, we were sit out that outdoor area that you talk about. But yeah, when I'm in town, I'm definitely going there. So which which side are you going to? The people watching side or the lounge side? I like the people watching side personally. Me too. I that's which side we I like picked. To, I, I like to put the phone away and just people watch. Like I, you know, I miss it. I miss that in life. I think people, if they put their phone away and people watch a little bit more, they'd be a little less stressed. You know, it's a no, nice you, little relaxing day. You know, you're a hundred percent right. Like putting the phone away and just feeling it. And except, uh, except if you're listening to two ales and hockey tails, like put the put the AirPods in. Oh, put the phone in your pocket. You know, you can just go you, for a walk, go for a walk, sit with the wife, sit with, with the lady, just have the pods in, you know, nod your head a lot, pretend you're listening. Do you know what? We're going to have to skip a lot of my notes. My gosh. I heard that the family was missing old TK there, killer, which we're not sure why his name killer, but he's named killer. So we're going to minor hockey, minor to hockey. bowling green. That's yep. I want. I just want the rundown here. Minor hockey to Bowling Green State University. So you want me to take you from where I grew up to Bowling Green as quickly as possible? Well, keep her to the facts, I guess. Whatever you want to do. It's, it's you're the one that needed to go home. I have a babysitter, and um, it's up well, to no, you, I'm, really. I'm good. I'm good. I'll I'll stay for a while. I I got food coming eventually. I'll probably have to eat on the podcast. I, I've been here all night. So look at. You know what we're doing? Me and Franny had to write a letter. I've seen I've seen your office before. I bet you there's five takeout. There's things. not. There's no way it's clean. It's just look at my wall. I got a. I got. Look what I got. Actually, look at the picture behind me, Wally. Yeah, that's because we can't see the floor. That's from the first Challenge Cup win. There you are, right there. Oh, nice. That's yeah. No, that's when we that's when we won the challenge cup in Sheffield. I, I think um, we I think we went to that hotel after and uh oh Jesus. Don't don't <laughs> get to that after I do my minor. Well, you know what? That's that's the story we should talk about. But the quick rundown, I grew up in Calgary in Bonavista, right where Steve King still lives now. Steve King and Craig Shostak both still live in Bonavista. Um the community ice rink there, that was my first job. I worked as a rink rat, drove the Zamboni, painted the lines on the ice, cleaned the boards when I was like 13. Uh, and uh, so worked in rinks my whole life. I, I played hockey there. I, I lived right by the outdoor rink. I used to take the Zamboni home from school to flood the ice, the outdoor rink. Um, they'd pick me up on the way home and then, and then uh, I'd get dropped off. So I had that typical Canadian lifestyle, outdoor rink, playing on the lake my whole life. I, I played in Bonavista, then I played midget AAA, then I played Vernon Vipers in junior, uh, in junior A out in British Columbia. 
Then I went to Bowling Green on a scholarship for four years. Then I turned pro. There you go. Hey, wow, that was fast. Holy moly. You must, you, you, you are quick at getting things done. I remember signing the contract when I, when I bought this house. The day I signed the contract with the Cardiff Devils to come there was the yeah. day I bought this house. Just so you know, fun fact. With your signing bonus? <laughs> no, um, houses were cheaper in Concord and then Elmira. And I had a little dump there and I could get a nicer house here. Um, so yeah, no, no signing bonus. We went straight AHL 50 grand, 50 K big deal. <laughs> um, moving on though, I had a lot to talk about there and you got me sidetracked. Um, shoot. Oh, running an arena. A guy yeah. I just had on is running an arena right now. Like the uh, Michelle level I played with him in Hellbron for the yeah. first French guy in the pod. He's doing it, trying to do it by himself, but it made me think of that first year in the big blue tent where I realized, I guess you say Lord Ozanal, but I remember you saying like the ketchup wasn't red enough. And, um, then when I, I'll never forget the day I showed up in Cardiff when I, like I had been other places, I had been places and you show up and you have a little kid and you had a Jersey laid out on the crib. You had the crib set up. I wasn't showing up trying to go find it at Ikea and build it. Well, yeah. we just got off the plane. Like everything was ready. There was food in the fridge. And then I remember some of your employees saying, this guy's nuts. Like everything's gotta be red. Like some things he says aren't red enough. <laughs> yep. Do you want to know why I do that? I know exactly why you do it. I've learned my whole life from you that since I met you, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I learned a lot from you. So, so here's my little, my quick version of why I do that. Okay. Well, first okay. I, like, I take care of the, we, I always did it because I wanted the players to be, I, I went through what you went through everywhere. I showed up, I'd get there. My car wouldn't be ready. My house wouldn't be ready. I'd be in a hotel for a couple of days. I lived with an equipment manager one time for like six weeks because my house was so terrible when I was in Bracknell. I had cars break down. I showed up in Belfast where I'd been for years and like things weren't ready. You'd spend three weeks getting shit together. I hated it. So I, so when I started doing it in Belfast, me, me and Thorts, uh, Steve Thornton started doing it in Belfast and we were like that too. And uh, so when I came to Cardiff, like they, they, they said like, okay, well, you know, this is when we're trying to get guys. And I was like, okay, no, we need the apartments at least 48 hours before we want to make sure that like everything's taken care of. I, I don't want to give away our trade secrets. Um, what we, you know, we make sure that the guys are, their houses are ready, but I do a huge checklist of what I want to go in the apartment. And then I put somewhere in the middle, I put fairy liquid red, right? The red color fairy liquid for washing the dishes. And I, I learned this from, from Van Halen, the band. You know the band Van Halen? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so very famous story about, David, uh, uh, yeah, about uh, David Lee Roth. He used to be the tour manager as well, right? When, they'd had no, when they, they would do their own tours. And David Lee Roth would always put on the rider, like what they had to have at every venue. Right at the bottom, he'd put like and a bowl of M&Ms. And it was like no brown M&Ms or something, right? So he'd go in, so he'd go into the lock and, and there was a story where he canceled a, co a concert because when he got to his, uh, his dressing room, there was M&Ms, but there was brown M&Ms in there. And everyone thought he canceled it because the brown M&Ms and, and he did an interview and he said, well, do you think I canceled because do you think I'm that guy? And what he said is he said, no, the first hundred things on the list were like, test the weight of the, of the trust so that when we're, you know, setting up the speakers, they can take this weight and 
test those the line that I'm zipping along in front of the crowd. So all these things that like life or death things that he had to manage that he couldn't be there to set up. And if he didn't, if, if they didn't, if they screwed up on the M&Ms, what else did they screw up? And that was his worry, right? So with me, I just, I go in, I went in the first year and there, one of the houses had green fairy liquid. And I was like, well, what else didn't they do? And of course you look in the fridge and, and, uh, and actually in Cardiff, they were good in Belfast the first year they screwed up and they had the wrong color liquid. And I was just like, what else did they do? And they put the groceries in and they just leave them in the bags in the fridge. No, just take them out of the bags. You know, like you, no one does, you don't do that in your own house. Why would you do that for having guests? You know? And um, yeah, so we do that. We made, we made sure that kids always had jerseys, um, all that kind of stuff. Deuce, Deuce is caught. Uh, Guillaume Doucette did a good job of that at the, at the little mini series. He was, he took care of his guys. I think most teams know how to take care of guys now, but. Um, uh, well, they learn from it. It's like, it's just like watching kids play hockey now and they're doing all this shit we never could do. It's because somebody's done it and everybody's learning from them. And thank goodness you're around to teach everybody the way it should be. <laughs> That's what I would say. Um, because there are so many people that were doing it wrong in Europe, like for so many years. And to, when I got there and you guys were doing it the way you were doing it, what a breath of fresh air for me. But yeah, with lots of guys, like lots of guys, lots of their wives always, um, they always comment on it, like how well, like when they arrived, how well they felt they were taken care of, which is a big deal, right? Big first impressions are so important, so. Well, think about like when you show up and you got a little kid and then all of a sudden you got a little 18 Walton jersey sitting on the crib. But yeah, let's not give out all the secrets to all the other teams. So we're not going to talk about it anymore. So we got to Bowling Green. You got drafted but never signed there and you went straight to the UK. Yeah. Why? I, I got drafted. Um, my seven, So my year of junior, I got drafted and then I broke my back and I wasn't supposed to ever play hockey again. So um so I went to Bowling Green. I probably shouldn't, I probably should have waited. I, I basically missed half a year and had been in the hospital for like, like I, I was in a steel brace for like six months. Is this I, on the ice injury? Yeah, I got, I got hit. Uh, I got like kind of blindsided um, in a rink in Chilliwack, BC. And the, the boards back then were cemented in. So the boards had a ledge of about a foot instead of like three inches. And my spine bounced down and I broke my spine in three places like the compression fracture. So I had to be in a, a steel brace from my neck down for, I don't know, six months maybe. And then, uh, and so I still got drafted. Hold on. What age was this? 17. So like my At draft 17, that happens and you got drafted my draft year. Yeah. So like uh, it happened, I think it was 18. I think it was 18 at that point. It happened. And yeah, I was, I just turned 18 and then it happened like the next week or something. And so I missed from January. It happened in January or February. It was just after the all-star game. And, uh, and then I got hurt and then I missed the rest of the season. And then uh, Bowling Green was the only team that talked to me before the injury and after the injury. So I, I went to Bowling Green. I probably should have gone back and played another year junior, but I, you don't know, right? Like I, I just thought you had to go to school. Like, especially I thought if I'm getting drafted, I got to go to school. I didn't realize guys went when they were like 21, 22. I didn't really know much about university. I just knew I wanted to go to university. So so yeah, that, that's my story. It's not why I didn't make the NHL, but it's probably why I didn't, you know, probably ever pursue anything. I, I, when I finished college, you know, like I was drafted by St. Louis, they never even talked to me. So no big deal. That happens all the time. Um, and I just thought I'll, I'll go play one year pro, like I'll play in Europe for a year maybe, and uh, maybe travel around after go backpacking with my buddy, which I did. And then 
one year turned into 10 years of playing because I loved it. And then, uh, and then, you know, then running a team and that's, that's how I got here. So my question is, did you break your back before or after they draft you? I don't know if you said that I'm, you might have before. So it was my draft year. So like I was, I was, I was having a great year in junior. It was my only year. So then you break your back and And, they never um, talk to you again. And, uh, I, uh, so like my draft, I, I got drafted in June. I broke my back in January or something like that. So six months later, I, I was, I was still in the, in the break. No, I just come out of the brace when I got drafted. So I didn't go to the draft or anything. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's, that's what happened. And then, and then, uh, I loved Bowling Green. It was awesome. Like, I, well, you know what college is like, it's amazing. It's, Hey, um, you're getting all handsy on me. eh? you're getting all handsy on me down there. Am I? Oh, sorry. I was moving my keyboard there. Oh sorry. yeah. You're getting all handsy on me. Stop it, Todd. <laughs> Feels bad. <laughs> um, yeah. So I played against, well, I didn't play against you, but I played against the same school as you in, in uh, Western Michigan was in my conference back then CCHA, which is a revival. Now it's coming back after like a few years. Is but, it really? Cause that's what I played. And I, I played at Bowling Green and um, yeah. Like speaking of them taking, <laughs> People with like health problems, uh, their goalie had MS when I played against him and he was up for the Hobie. That's Sigalette. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Sigalette, yeah. 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 Um, I remember that, but like I think no, he's a, I think he's like a coach for Calgary or something. Like I think he's a goaltending coach for Calgary or something though. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's still in the game. So I don't even know where we are, and I don't think my notes are making a lot of sense anymore for what we've been talking about. Um, but the one thing I wanted to ask about because episode about 15 dan seaman uh the coach that i won a gold helmet with and then he then i finished second league in scoring and then he didn't resign me because he thought he could do better because there was a better looking girl down the road you know how it goes um so that's what got me to cardiff so that's a lot of how did you talk to him before you and lord or nothing no i don't think so i i I mean, I'm buddies with Dan. I, I, I would think that I would have, but maybe Lordo did, but I certainly. No, I didn't. think it happened too fast because I think he said, I, he wrote to me about a month or two later and says, Hey, I haven't heard anything oh, about oh, you yeah, from I, any teams. I got to open the door. I'm really oh, sorry. no worries. I can keep it going. But he said, I, I literally haven't heard anything from any teams on you not once from your agent like not one team has called from anywhere and he said I told you I would be a great reference like I want to help you be a part like I want to help you get another job because I think you're great but we just don't have a spot for you here right so Well, folks, Todd finally got to eat. Uh, His delivery finally showed up and the guy's busy. So um, we're going to let him try and eat and pod at the same time, folks, because that's real life and we're all busy. But we were talking about Dan Seaman, not sure where I left it. So what I wanted to know was he talked about in his podcast that you really helped him, that you really helped him get going, that you helped him become a coach. And then I saw you both played for the Bracknell Bees, but no, you guys didn't actually play together, did you? No, no. 
he, he lived with my roommate, my roommate and best buddy on the team. He, he basically replaced me as his roommate and best buddy. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's hard. But, but, but I, but because of that, I, I hung out with Dan a lot. Like whenever, whenever we went to Bracknell, I had beers with him and stuff. So bit of a bromance. I love him. I think he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my MBA is more important than his gold helmet and he can <laughs> suck on that. Right. Um, <laughs> So anyways, no, I was just curious because you must have seen some kind of potential in him or something because it, he, it sounded like you helped him become a coach. I don't know about that. I th- I can't even remember. Like he was, he was, Do a- you know what I think I just realized I'm going to cut you off there is I don't think you realize what you do for people's lives. I don't think you have any oh, freaking clue. Come no, on. I don't think you do. I think you're just, you're just running around trying to get your chicken from the door and you have no idea and your office is a mess and you're just living away and you have no idea what you do for people's lives. You know what? The most disappointing part of that is that my office is actually a mess and, and I wish I know that, <laughs> but it's got marble run and Lego everywhere. Cause I had Noah, my four-year-old in here with me for about an hour today. So that's why I'm working late because I'm playing catch up. Cause Noah was here all afternoon. So oh, anyway. are, you, are you calling, yeah. are you calling this work? <laughs> No, this doesn't count as work. No, um, no, Dan was, Dan was coaching. Like, I think it was a player coach in Dundee or something or Fife. And yeah. maybe you got him in with Dundee. He said, no, maybe I did. I can't remember. I can't remember. Honestly, I, he, he was, uh, Dan was a really good player, like a really, really good player. Um, he did really well this league and he, it was weird. He was playing in Sheffield one year. It was Sheffield. And he called me, I was in Belfast and he's, he got fired from Sheffield. He was their leading scorer. And in the middle of the season, he got fired and he called me and he was laughing. He's like, I've never had this before. I got fired in the middle of the season. And I think that's my, my, that might be when he went to Denmark or something. And then I don't know, but he's done well for himself. I actually talked to him this summer before I hired Scaldi before I interviewed anyone. And I, I talked to him about coming here, but then he got a job in, in Austria. No, he's a, he's a good dude. And uh, like for me to have him on my podcast uh, years later and uh, like he, they didn't ask me back, but I also got the answers I wanted of why they didn't. But I also, I really respected that guy as a coach, as a person, he told it like it was, he was a real person like you are and the way it should be. Right. So anyways, I don't even know where we're at anymore. My notes make no sense. But then you go from wherever we're talking about to eight years as a player for the Belfast Giants. Yeah. Was it eight? I think it was seven. I don't know. You don't know. It was seven. And then I came back as a player GM for like eight games or something. That's a GM slash player question mark on the notes. Um, Thought last year there was like 12 games. No, before that, the full season before that, my last full season, I was GM player the whole year from like, because the owners called me in, the owner called me in and I think it was like, I want to say it was September, October and they, and they offered me the job and we had just won the league the year before I just made the all-star team for the league. And, and I was like, what are you talking about? I'm 31. I'm in my flow. I'm playing great. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, no, we, we, we think you can be a better GM than a player. And uh, we can always find a new defenseman. So uh, we want you to run the team. And I, and I, so I said, I said, listen, why don't, why don't I learn the ropes from the current GM and, 
and uh and then i'll keep playing because i'm not really ready to finish playing i want kind of one last year where i know it's my last year of playing and uh and this is my 10th year of pro hockey so i want a testimonial and they're like oh can you have a testimonial when you've only been with the team for seven years i'm like oh yeah yeah as long as it equals 10 you're fine <laughs> which is complete bullshit but i really needed that testimonial in belfast so um so yeah so i had a testimonial retired finished playing never to play again and then i had to can, come back can i play. can i stop you there because I, actually one of my notes here if the, the fans could see it i might take a picture of it i got a I just wrote testimonials and I wrote an arrow to, did you retire your own number? <laughs> um, so um, question. <laughs> so you kind of answered it. You kind of answered it. So don't you kind no hold on. You kind of answered it. So seven years you played, but you get a testimonial. So where's pigs testimonial? Why am I not coming back? I don't get it. No, where's Pigs' testimonial if you got one? Enough's enough, Todd. So I didn't retire my own jersey, right? You got So the jersey retirement came a few years later when I was the GM. And, and to be honest with you, I think the CEO of the arena or of the uh, Odyssey Trust who owned, who owned the team, or no, they, yeah, they, I think they owned the team at that point. They were the one that said, we're going to retire your jersey. But I think they had this perception that a jersey retirement was like, it would be in the NHL where it would guarantee a sellout. So they retired my Jersey preseason, like my last year there. And I said to them, I was like, man, no offense, but it like, no one's going to care. No one's going to come in August against Balzano for an exhibition game. Cause they're retiring my Jersey. So that's when my Jersey got retired. So I wasn't really, I wasn't pissed off. I could care less when they did it, but the guys that worked for me, but you're the GM. Did. Don't you get to decide when? Yeah, so, 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 so they, so the two guys that worked for me, they came to me and they are like, "Hey, we we weren't going to tell you this, but they've decided they're going to retire your jersey against Balzano, and we know that you're so anal that like if you don't, if it's not done the way you want it done, you'll be pissed off. So, um, so we're telling you, we're not supposed to tell you that they're doing it, but so can you? So we, the three of us, planned my jersey retirement. So like, like who I wanted there, who was going to speak. When I was going to yeah, do it. Or else like, it would have been a mess. Yeah, it would have been a mess. So, um, and, it, and it was a mess anyways. The, the speaking, the speak or the microphone kept cutting out. It was terrible, but it was, it was a great honor. It was awesome to get it done. But um, they flew back my best buddy who I played with in Belfast. They flew him back basically to get drunk with me for three days, which was fantastic. That was a nice gesture. And uh, yeah, so it, 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 I mean, it's cool. I, I, I mean, it, it, everyone knows that knows me very well, knows how much I love Belfast. I, like, I love that place. I love playing there. I love running the team. It's always, it's always got like a special place. In my Even when I go back now, I kind of feel like, you know, like I, 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 I don't know. I love that place. Great place to live. Great place to, from um, my kid to be born. And I love playing there. And, 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 you know, I, I, I genuinely do like Cardiff better. I do like living here better, but I never played for the devils. Right. I played for the, I played for the giants. So it's hard to compare the, the, the situation because it, it was a it was cool to get to run the team that you played all basically all your pro hockey for that was a, a real honor and um but uh but yeah it was so cool. I, I guess i like i had a couple notes questions written down you've answered a few of them but um speaking of pig's testimonial and your testimonial what you did have i believe right um yep. um what uh 
what is that for our global listeners that have no idea? Because I had no idea what a testimonial was. The Bayfield Brewing Company? The Bayfield Brewing Company have no idea who, what a testimonial is, because I didn't know what it was, but I can't wait to, uh, you know what? I didn't get to go to Mark Richardson's, which sucked because I didn't have accrued enough vacations in my real world. But I got to go to Wally Night, which is pretty cool. So that was cool. Um, but um, tell us what a testimonial is. So testimonial is basically when it's supposed to be basically you play 10 years for the same organization in the UK. And you get it, it, it was started in football years ago. I think it was kind of like your, your retirement gift. Like when you retire, you get one game, you get to keep the gate. I think now testimonials are more for charity for footballers because they make so much money. But I think back in the day, it was kind of like the retirement gift. So for players, it's kind of like your retirement gift. Like it's, you know, you, you, you get to sell all the tickets, you invite your buddies back, you play like a, a pickup game of hockey, you hold the Jersey auction, you make a bunch of money and, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's a good tradition. I think there's been so many lately just because so many guys have been playing longer now, but when I played like there, you barely, there were barely any. And I think I was very lucky because I was the first one in Belfast to have a testimonial. So I got to bring all the, all the boys back from like the glory days. And so I had a great crowd and um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. A lot of fun They're th- Nowadays they're terrible to play in because the like no one cares, right? Like no one, ca- like the fans want to be there because they want to experience it and they want to see the old guys, but like you're rolling out guys that might have, haven't played hockey for a few years. It's more about like, su- you know, supporting the person and supporting the player. And, uh, and then like the Jersey auction is always crazy, especially in Cardiff, like, Richie's jersey auction was insane so um, uh, I was supposed to be at Richie's I did get the invite and it killed me <clears throat> killed me to watch on Twitter and everything what you miss um, but you do start work um, at a later age and you all start with two weeks folks and yeah. you work your way up from there I finally got there folks I feel like I get some days off and we're all good and it's great but that first that first transition i know there's a lot of people that uh that struggle with it but okay another question i'm not gonna ask you about fear and flurry because i know you played with them because that you know what i want to know more about i think you're the gm at this point and one of my favorite songs in the world is all i want for christmas there you go so i was the gm so i had this idea for years that's your idea that you so you just come up with this idea because my god that's a great tune i had it for years and i just was waiting for a team that i thought was fun enough to do it and uh i talked to dougie christensen who's a coach of the team and i was like listen i got this ridiculous idea i know you're probably going to say no because it's going to involve like the players coming in late this week and and uh and I told him and he loved it. And then luckily my, my, one of my best friends in Belfast was the, uh, a lady named Debbie McGuire who ended up marrying one of the players in that video, but she, um, she was a choreographer and a professional dancer. And so I told her the idea and I was like, but like in my head, it, I, you know, in my head, I see players dancing, but I know they can't dance. So can you help and choreograph it and teach people to dance? And so she actually taught the guys to dance and, and I mean, it was at the time, like this is a long time ago when, when there wasn't a million, if, if we did that today, it, it would have gone even more viral, but it went crazy. Like, I mean, I don't know, 500,000 views within like 
two days or something like that. People were like, they played it live at the Detroit Red Wings game or something like that. We got, we got, they talked about it on hockey night in Canada. It was huge. So if you haven't seen it, you just have to Google Belfast giants. All I want for Christmas. And it's yeah. incredible. It really is incredible. You know like when it, have, you know many teams have copied that? Like done the exact video where like they're walking down the hallway and people are coming out of the hallways. It's it's insane. And I'm pretty sure Dougie Clarkson did in Toledo. <laughs> did, yes, we had the next year we had like we had like a German basketball team do almost exactly the same video. We've had like the army doing it from a ship. So many people copied us, but um, and and you know what? We actually had like a real issue because we had like people that were involved in it claiming directorial rights and and who who is going to be listed as director and who is going to be listed as creative director and who's going to be listed as choreographer and and when all the names came out because i didn't load the video up it said like i think mine said like idea by todd kelman or something. i was like fifth on the list and i was like what what happened here and and i just couldn't believe it i was like this was my idea i asked all these people to get involved and uh and I was like fifth on the credit list. I thought it was hilarious, but so be it. So. No, that it's, it's awesome. But like for me, seeing <laughs> that list today in the UK, um, drinking beers with my friends in my shed and getting recognized for it um, is one of those moments where you're like, yeah, oh, holy shit. Like, I really? like, like holy shit like um when you have an idea i remember the day i had this idea i was walking the dog and uh as soon as i thought of it i actually texted you and that's when i like literally the moment i thought of it i texted you and i was like i think i could do this type thing and you were like yes you can and i was like well you should be episode one and then I think crickets. Yeah, because you knew, you knew that like we're not, and it, it all works out. Like we're we weren't there yet, but now when I saw that today, and you're coming on, and like it was just like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 But I was also almost a 2.3% owner of the Cardiff Devils, and you guys would have got way better shout-outs if I was how, an actual how, owner. How did you how did you confuse this? Like, like what do you how, mean? You said screenshots are always your your uh your what are they? Uh <laughs> screenshots are always contracts. Screenshots yeah. are always contracts. So hey, I got it. I still got the screenshot. So bitch, I. bitch, I got 2.3. <laughs> so, so basically. We were talking about we were talking about like a player. I think it was a, who's the Belfast player that you interviewed, Alex Foster. Alex, Alex Foster, right? So you said, listen. This is what you said. Listen to the show. It's good for. <laughs> I said I only want one percent, and yeah, you said one no, no, percent's no, not enough. How about two point three? And yeah, I no, said done. So, okay, but listen to before that. Before that, this is what we were said. You said listen to this episode. Or like, wait till I, wait till this episode comes out. It's great for recruitment, right? And I said something like, I said why, and you said, well, he kind of like rips on Belfast a bit. And I said, great, I'll. Uh, you're now head of. I said like you're now head of recruitment or something. You didn't this say problem. that. You said I said I just want one percent, and you said how about two, how about hey, you said how, that one percent's not enough. How about two point three? And I said if I take a screenshot of this, is this a contract? 
and you said all of my contracts are screenshots now read it read it right now read it to the fans and you tell tell everybody tell us what you think Um, i'm pretty sure i'm an owner i'm pretty sure i'm going to switzerland to see pigs and he's getting a testimonial okay okay so you text me hold on so this is what you text me Belfast gonna am I on the screen by myself? Okay. Belfast gonna take a hit when Alex Foster episode comes out. Tough look for them. Cut him halfway through school. I only want one percent. So in this, in my head. Oh, here we go. Now I'm a brand ambassador, but now you're throwing Belfast under the bus, just nonchalant. I get it, but I could have been a look. Do you want me to show this? No, go ahead. Say it. it. You say I only want one percent. Now pause for a second, and I can tell you where my head's at at this point. When no, no, said, no, there's 1%. no pausing. This is real life. I would be talking. I said, like, I only want 1%. Yeah. You didn't say I want 1% ownership. I thought you meant like an agent fee for every player that signs with us instead of Belfast. So I go, ha, oh. ha, 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 a million. Oh, oh here we go. I never I said ownership. Said, you weren't like, listening oh, to the podcast. I time on the show. Ha, 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 ha. I knew they got rid of him, but I didn't know it was halfway through schooling. Yikes. It's real bad, man. That's from you. But it's the truth. Seriously, Wally, what does he say? That they cut him and he do, has done half his MBA and they did it to cold Jarrett. This is great for recruiting is from, from what I say. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. That's you. I say, oh, great. I'll clip the soundbite. 1% question mark from you. That's not enough. 2.3% done. <laughs> if a screenshot is a contract and I wrote all my sc- contracts are screenshots. Uh, and that was it. That's the conversation. So what I meant is, I thought you were asking for 2.3% or 1% of any player that signs with us over Belfast. You're not listening. You might have guessed by the ha ha. So then this is, let's talk to the people of what, what ensued after this, right? <laughs> so I get a call from Steve King, who is confused to tell that I've Okay, no- we're pausing you now. That, Moving that on. Next question. You know what? I was 2.3% owner. And now you're making me embarrassed on my own podcast because you did say I was, and I took a screenshot and you said I was a 2.3% owner. And I sent that to Steve and I said, listen, Steve, am I a 2.3% owner or not? And he says, this can't be real. And I, and I said, well, he said it, he said it to me straight to my face. I was walking the dog. Yeah. And Steve's like, so Steve calls me laughing. He's like, did you give away <laughs> some of your percentage to Wally? And I'm like, I'm like, no. And th- then, so I think, I think, oh no, Wally's just laughing about it. He's just having a go. Then I get a call from Joey Martin. Hey, did you give away, did you give Wally three percent of the team? I'm like, no, why is everyone telling me this? Wally thinks you gave away 2.3% of the team. And then I'm, I go back through that and I'm like, surely Wally isn't this dumb. Like he's smarter than this, man. He's, He's a, a successful guy. He tells me how smart he is. What the fuck, Wally? What the hell? <laughs> My God. So then I have to listen. I was. I was almost. Then I, I have was to almost. To the whole episode with Alex Foster. <laughs> Let me just take you back to that episode for anyone that, that listened to that. Your reaction to him telling you about Belfast getting rid of him is this. This is all you do for like five minutes straight. Oh, wow. Man. Wow. Oh, boy. Wow. Whew. Wow. Wow. What did you I want thought, me to say? I didn't know. I thought they were supposed to be the good ones. That's like, I thought they were supposed to be the good ones. They are good ones. I know Kiefer, and I'm trying to get him on because I know he's a good dude. Like, I know they're good dudes now, but like, 
it's your show, man. You got to fill that space. You got to fill that blank space with something. You got to, you can't just go, Ooh, wow. You're okay. Like, you I'm trying to be better. better okay. Oh, I'm trying to be better. Budget. Do you know what you said to me when yeah. I uh, asked for a reference letter and you wrote a really nice one for me <laughs> when I would go for my interviews? Yeah. Uh, you sent me the letter and then I think the actual email said, please try not to sound like dumb and stoned when you talk <laughs> and i was like thanks todd i'll do my best <laughs> so do you want to know why that came from that was my reference about you when like i talked to lordo the first time i was like they said i was dumb and stoned no i said i said uh i said so you know that brent walton that that player we talked about that we signed i was like um you know he's on the nba <laughs> and he's like yeah what's the problem i'm like I just talked to him on the phone about his application for the NBA. I, he was either drunk or stoned because there's no way you do you remember? You're like, Hey man, uh, this application is pretty complicated. You know, you talk slow like that. And I'm like, what's, what's calm. And, and I got off the phone. I was like, Oh my God, this guy's doing the NBA. We are fucked. Are but, you being serious? Are you well, actually serious? Well, when you talk, sometimes you sound a little fucking drunk or stoned. I shouldn't be swearing so much to the kids that are listening. Well, I'm on a. I'm not. I know you're not. I stoned. wasn't doing a podcast back then, and I probably wasn't drunk or stoned. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's go on. What's I next? don't smoke weed. We got drug tested in Germany, you donkey. Um, oh. Anyways, moving on. You're a mess. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. I don't even know. Your your ownership, your ownership stake in the card of devil. <laughs> so it's not real. Okay. Well, I was gonna ask about selling like two ales and hockey tails uh, merchandise in the devil's um, store that you've now bought too. But you know, if you're not into it, that's fine. I'll just have to make them over here in Canada. And then ship them to the UK to where all the listeners are. So that's up to you. Whatever you want to do. You know, you never even, you're not even the sponsor. That's Naya Security. The Card of Devils, there's no Wally 20. There's no 15. It's just, no. no. Did, did, did Nile Securities or the Bayfield Brewing Company have a Wally night yet? <laughs> No. They ne definitely not and it is the reason this podcast even exists uh no seriously the like uh, you know like everybody talks about how hard it is and uh you know what i met great people here i have a great job um they're great people they trust me i trust them i get the work done I run a department. It's all good, but it took a long time to get to this point. It oh, yeah. was, uh, it's a slog. I bet. Oh man. It was a lot of, uh, it was a lot worse than like not knowing where you're going to be in the lineup. It was like every day or like you just get up and go. Right. And you just, but they have taken care of me. I have proven myself. And I think a lot of that has to do with an MBA yeah. meeting you and uh, the rest of the Cardiff Devils. I, I really think those two years um, changed me as a person. 
Um, I realized what I can do in 24 hours and you should see the shit I can get done in 24 hours right now. <laughs> it is wild. I'm not much of a sleeper, but like I get a lot of shit done, man. <laughs> Cause I love this shit so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I, I know it, you know, what's interesting. I, I always said, I'd like to start a side business, um, on talking, like helping players adjust to the real world, like showing them how to write resumes and CVs for the people in the UK, but also preparing them for life after hockey so that they know how to do interviews. So they know what they're like, even, even the last year of hockey, like if, if they, cause nobody thinks about this stuff. No, like I, you can, you can, even the guys taking the NBA, they don't actually prepare for it. And it's the hardest thing. And I mean, I was there, like I, I think people think that I played hockey and then fell into it. Like I, my third year in Belfast, they told us that there was going to be no Belfast giants the next year and to go home and get regular jobs or find a different job in hockey. And I went home and got a regular job and I did it for three months. I woke up, I had to be in the work and I had to be at work by eight and I left at five 30 and I got 20 minutes for lunch that I ate at my desk and I hated every moment of it. And, and I realized like not everyone loves their job the way hockey people love their job. And, and uh, yeah, and I just, I hated it. And um and, uh, and yeah. And, and you know what, you know, what's interesting about that. One of my sister's friends, um, who's friendly with Steve and Kim King. So I was actually, I was actually at the lake that Steve lives on. They live in like Bonavista Lake in, in our Lake Bonavista in Calgary. And, um, and we were, we would always like be on the public side and we'd swear. Are these all players trying to text you right now? Or who is this right yeah, now? Actually Katrina sending me messages about what Mark Drakeford said on the, uh, on at his press conference. So um, anyways, uh, yeah, so so Steve King's house, you know, you could swim across to Steve's house and, and we were all having like a barbecue or something at the beach. And one of their friends, uh, a girl named Kelly said, she said, so what are you doing now? And I said, oh, I've got a regular job. And she goes, oh, but don't you have to go back to hockey pretty soon? I'm like, no, no, I've, I'm done hockey. And and she was like, what? What are you talking about? And she's, and I was like, oh yeah, no, I've quit. I'm, I'm getting a regular job. I, you know, buying an apartment downtown, going to get a regular job, get buy a car. Just that's my new life. You know, she's like, you're, you're 25 or 20, whatever. I was 26. She's like, you have the rest of your life to work a regular job. What are you doing? Like go back and play hockey. Like, like that's the coolest job in the world. I'm like, well, I'm not getting rich at it. And she goes, doesn't matter. You can make money later in life. Like, what are you crazy? And she, she, in that moment convinced me to go back and play hockey. And I honestly, I honestly called Belfast the next day and they were starting up the elite league from scratch and the money was terrible. And, and, uh, and they went from like an all import league to like, I think we had 10 imports and 10 Brits that year. And, and, um, and yeah, I called the, up the coach at the time and I said, yeah, I want to come back. This was like August 15th or something. I was there by the 18th of August. I literally hadn't trained, hadn't skated the whole summer. And, um, and that's how I got back into play. Well, I'm telling you, I'm trying to write, I wanted to write down notes like you do because you're, you're more talented at this than me, but like, um, oh man, you hit a nerve there. Like, um, (laughs) gosh, darn it. And now I can't remember. Um, it was like, oh, I can't remember what you, what did, what did you just say? Talk. What did you just talk about? Cause I had it all written out and then I'm like, I got so sidetracked. And then you kept talking. What did you just say? Just general. What did you just say? I'm eating my chicken Wally. I know. I'll give me a second. What did you just say? And I'll go from there. I said, um, I was talking about how I got back into playing 
Oh, I, I basically quit and uh, oh. working a job and I hated it. And I didn't realize how much, yes. I didn't realize how much people loved, like, I, like when you work in hockey. Oh, sorry, you're... sorry. I got it. I got it. I'm back. Oh, We're oh. good. So um, the guy that just came on, my best friend in the world, Andrew Lackner, uh, yeah. which was the episode before you and is literally from, from kindergarten all the way up. I remember, um, like I've met, I've met father-in-laws that say, you can't marry my daughter until you have a real job. <laughs> I've met father-in-laws that have said, you should keep playing all the way through. But like, I remember a very successful fella, Super Dave, um, yeah. who was Andrew Lackner's, um, father-in-law which we got into i spilt a water bottle in his bed by accident um but basically um he said to me on a golf course one day he said um you can't always play hockey but you can always make money type of thing and it was the two of us on a golf course and i was I don't know. I think I was in Germany at the time and we were talking about Andrew dating his daughter and everything. And he goes, you can't do that all the time, but you can do the normal stuff. And I guess it's real because I was 32 when I got into the real world and it did take me four, I don't know how long two years, three years. I, I'm not sure, but it was a little quicker than some, but um, it's, it's hard to figure out. It's, it, it can get very dark, man. Yep. Oh yeah. And, and I, I've seen it with lots of players, lots of players, lots of buddies over the years. Um, I see guys, I'm a lot older than you, but I've seen a lot of guys that I played with that I haven't seen or, you know, like they, they got out of hockey in 2003, 2002 time, they never got out of hockey. Like they, 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 they're working a job they don't like and they, and they still are kind of hanging on and, and are maybe, you know, trying to, trying to make a living out of coaching or something like that. That isn't like not pro hockey, like trying to, you know, like coaching kids or trying to run hockey schools and stuff. Cause they can't get out of the game. Cause it's, it's addictive. And it, and it's probably like this with most sports, but with a lot of sports, you know, when you're done, like American football, you either make the NFL or you retire after your last year of university. There's no, there's no men's league or the minor leagues in American football. Right. Whereas for all of us, we kept playing and, and yeah, like people talk to me all the time. They're like, they're like, do you miss playing? Like it comes up all the time when I, when, if I'm at an event, giving a talk about something like I haven't played for so long that I forget sometimes I played hockey. And then someone says like something like this comes along, we talk hockey or someone at an event says, Oh man, I didn't, I didn't realize you played hockey. Like, do you miss it? And, and I, I say the same thing every time, every fucking day, man, every day. If I could, if I could trade, like, I love running a hockey team. If I could run, rewind and get to play again, like, like the only thing I, I probably would have done different is maybe, maybe thought about playing another year before. But, but the thing is when you're going to be a GM, you, you take the job when it comes along. I was 31 when I ran the, like, that's when I. Started. Well, if, if they approach you and say, now's the time, if you don't do that, it doesn't happen. Exactly. And, and, so, but like, but I think back to so many times when, um, you know, I, I thought I, I never, 
I never really thought about quitting until that one summer. And that was just for like a, a, a few months, but that was more cause I just, I just thought I'd always want to play in Belfast. Um, but like I had, I had buddies that I had buddies in the summers that would be, I'd be like, man, I should quit. You know, like you guys are have these great jobs and, and they'd always say, they'd be like, but we didn't like hockey the way you liked hockey. Like you've, you've liked hockey way more than we liked hockey our whole lives. And, and like, they, I played with guys growing up that were better than me that, that maybe didn't turn pro because they just didn't have the same drive. And, and like, the thing is what fans need to understand and all these players that you talk to and, and, and people that love hockey, every story that an, a guy in the NHL has, it's exact same story we had. Like, no, like, like, it's not like we sit around and go like, oh, we were lazy and didn't make it, like didn't try and didn't shoot pucks against our garage and didn't skate all, all night and didn't go and play at the outdoor rinks. That's why we didn't make the NHL. No, we all, we all did that too. We just weren't good enough. Right. <laughs> like that's yeah. just like, yeah, we weren't. Like, yeah, you know like, and, and it's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with giving it your best go and not making the NHL and, and making a career out of something you love. Like if I was, if I was a, you know, if my passion had been to be an investment banker and I didn't become the, the wolf of wall street or, or the richest guy in New York, but I get, became a pretty successful investment banker. You, you still, it's still the same dream. It's just, maybe you didn't get as far as the other guy. And like my, one of my best friends, my best friend, my best friend from university, he made the NHL. And when he made the NHL, I felt like, like I was so happy for him. And, and I never wanted to be like bitter that one of my buddies made the NHL. And, and I think some people get bitter that they, they didn't make the NHL or someone did better than them. And I always used to say to people, I'm like, wouldn't you rather, wouldn't you rather someone you know made the NHL than someone you didn't? Wouldn't you rather one of your friends make it? Like, oh, like watching an NHL cool, game right? when one of my buddies is playing is oh, completely perfect. different than watching a random game. I yeah. don't give a shit who wins. But one thing I'm going to have to say right now, and you know what? I, you're going to get all freaked out right now, but five or seven years ago, whenever it was, you swore me to secrecy, but I'm going to have to let the cat out of the bag right now. Is that we went out one night. I think it was me, you and Hendo. Actually, I actually think Hendo might've been there or it was just the two of us, but either way we went out. No, it was just us two. Definitely. And you told me the Berlin Ice Baron brought you over there the first year. We were in the big blue tent, I think. Or it's the second year I'm hurt and we're friends now and we have little kids. And they brought you there and you swore me to secrecy and you said, do not tell anybody about this. And I'm like, I will not, but now I am because I think it says a lot about who you are and, and who Steve King is, who everybody is, who the Cardiff devils are. And that is you, you are the Cardiff devils and the people, the, what you turn that place into. Um, I think it's really cool to watch from Concarden gives me a podcast because all of a sudden I got all these guys I can have on that have won all the shit because if they wouldn't have won all that shit, I can't have a podcast. What they're just the fucking toiling EIHL team. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 I know. 
Um, yeah, I, I had a really good opportunity handed to me from Ice Baron and I turned it down because I, because I'm, I'm fiercely loyal, unfortunately, <laughs> for, for the card of devils. I, I love it. And um, yeah, I, I love the guys that own the team with me and, um, and I shouldn't say with me, like, like I'm, they own the team and they gave me a little percentage as a, as a kickback kind of thing. So um, I get to, I get to act like I'm, I'm an owner. That's all we want. Eh? That's all we want. A little kickback. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I got I slightly more than your 2.3%. So Jeez, eh? um, <laughs> um, yeah, like, like, you know, over the years, there's been, there's been a few jobs that have come along and I'm not trying to make it about that, but like, I, um, I really like, I really like what I do. And uh, I really like the guys that like, I'll, I'll, I'll never go. Like I, I love, I love the four guys that own the team. Like, I don't think people realize, unless you played for us, you guys will never realize what we have here, like how fun it is. And, and Steve and Brian and, and Craig and Kelly, like, I remember we talked about it the first years. We've talked about it numerous times where it just comes up and they're like, they're like, like, what else do you want? You, you get to like, we all, we all are buddies. We all have this team together. We like, we talk about it constantly. We laugh about it every day. Like, I, I don't know if, I, you could have another job like that. I certainly, you know, like even Belfast, I loved working in Belfast, but I certainly didn't have this. I just think back to like the devil summits with like Lordo and me heading out to Calgary, going to stampede, meeting up with those guys, like some of the best memories I have. And that's not even the season. And then the champions league games, like think of when we called you, we called you cause we were so drunk in grats the night before the game. And, uh, and we, and we were like, let's call Wally. We called in, you know, when, you know, when you're doing the, 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 the time change, we were certain, like it, it just felt like it was the same time. Maybe it was like 11 o'clock. You're probably a couple beers deep, but I think it was like the afternoon of work for you. Or no, something. I literally had just pulled, I literally had been at work all day and I yeah. pulled into my driveway from work after working eight hours or whatever. I pulled into my driveway. <sighs> and there's a, I had a missed FaceTime from Todd Kelman on the way home. So I hit, <laughs> Call him back. Yeah. And it's you, Steve, Brian, and I think Shosty, right? I think yeah. so. You're all you're and we're we all see each other. We're all like, oh, right? Like, whoa, what a time. And then you said to them, Well, this is why we're gonna have a Wally night. And they're like, Oh, right. <laughs> you know, and I was like, so this is actually gonna fucking happen. <laughs> You know what's funny about that story right there? The fact that you said Shostak. So Shosty didn't come on that trip. No, but, I don't think he was. I think it was no, you. It was, I, I, no. But, but the funniest thing I threw I him in there because I like him. We, no, but we always have these talks about how like the best away trip was Gratz, right? And Shosty wasn't on the trip. But we superimposed him in all the pictures. So like all the team photos and stuff, Shosty's actually in the background. So we put him in every so every historic moment in the devils of us in Gratz, there's Shostak like back corner with his arm around someone or something but he was never actually there but but whatever we were reminiscing he always he's the first one to go like oh remember Gratz remember how good Gratz was so well you know when I'm feeling it is when I never look at my notes and my next thing is uh you guys were well we were at the big blue tent but you were never in video games until the fucking year I'm done like literally the year I'm done you're on PlayStation and you're like the card of devils and you got the whole squad. And I'm like, 
if I could have bought one video game with me on it for the kid oh. to have for his life, I'm one year out, you know? Yeah, sorry, man. We, you know what? They, EA Sports would have probably, the whole game would have blown up at the, at, if they put the big blue tent in there, you know? Oh, you think, imagine? I don't think they wanted it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's allowed on there. I don't think they, I, yeah. That rink, man. Oh, I love that. I love that rink. I watch like classic games now. I don't watch all the classic games, but when it's a big blue tent game, I watch the whole thing. I love that rink. It was so, it was such a good atmosphere. It was, it was, it was crazy. Like, I just think of, the, I just think of the crowd in there, like right on top. And, and I love the the new rink. I love Ice Arena Wales. I think it's, I think it's the best atmosphere in the league, but the big blue tent, like, you know, you know what's funny? I can say it now. I'm sure I've said it to other people on a podcast before. We we used to we used to be able to like so we couldn't really do anything with the seated tickets, right? Because we'd sell those out right away. But we could do something with the standing tickets. But but the manager of the rink was Adam Porter, and he would always kind of be careful about like restricting the number of standing tickets. And uh, and one game he came in, and and I know we sold about 300 extra standing tickets. It was insane. Like it was it was a Sheffield game or a Nottingham game, and the place was jammed, and we'd sold out of the seats for probably two weeks before. And I just, I was just like, screw this. Let's just, let's just print our own standing room tickets and sell them, right? Me and Aglin printed probably two or 300 extra tickets because we just, whatever. I just, please can't get us now. It's been seven years. And Porter walks in and he looks around. And he's like, oh my God, it's so busy in here. And I was like, yeah, there's like three extra wheelchairs. So it seems a lot busier. Like they're, cause the wheelchairs, you know, they, they take up a little space back there. So it feels a lot busier because of the three wheelchairs. He's like, there's only three more wheelchairs than normal. I'm like, I know it seems like, like it makes a huge difference. It, it feels way more crowded, but <laughs> and honestly, there, was 20, there was over 2,600 people in there. That's the most we ever got in there. We, uh, we dude, a, that, that place, like, I don't think I, I've even put this out there for the podcast or anything, but like there was a guy from Waterloo, Ontario that did a documentary on us that year. That's from my hometown. Um, like, he, his mom like taught me in school and like the, the the beauties that were on that team and that arena and like the thing is is when I look back on it and like I start figuring it out like I went to Germany I didn't have a lot of expectations like I'm from Elmira like I'm not a city boy but like you get a some city boys over there it may not always go as well yeah right I know <laughs> that, that, i love that place and the fans loved it too man jesus but god thank god like the place was falling apart remember th- that second year i was talking to lee salters one time and he's and he's walks in the shower he, he turns the water on he falls through the floor <laughs> doesn't <laughs> skip a beat just keeps showering doesn't even skip a beat he's two feet deep into the into the ground <laughs> And he just, he's just like, (laughs) and he just left the shower on and it was like, the floor was like up to his knees. He was just sitting in the dirt. Fun fact. He's coming on Friday night. Is he? Oh, I love that guy. Tell him I say hello. One of, one of, one of my favorite guys. If there's a guy that looked like he should be in the NHL, it's Lee Salters. Well, not just look in the NHL, like best looking person, (laughs) best looking man I've ever met, like in my life. Yeah, I, I, sh- I should have, have you picture. met a better looking man. No, I should have a picture of him as my mirror. And just in the morning, I should just see Lee Salters instead of me 
I'd be so much happier. You think so? <laughs> you think looking like a fake would help? I don't think so. Um, if I saw that, it would just make me upset every day. It's like not being number one in the UK when um, I tried to be. I got to sixth. So this week, we're going to correct that. I'm going to be number one, and everybody can fuck off. Spitting chiclets, everybody, fuck off. We're going to be number one in the UK this week. We got, you don't know this, you're today, Hendo's tomorrow, yeah. Lee Salters is Friday, Jeez. and Guy Doucette is Monday. Oh. So everybody can go fuck off. I'm going to be number one in the UK, and that website, whatever they said, go time, baby, let's rock. <laughs> you know? Yep, absolutely. Um, but I literally, I don't know what else we got to talk about because I haven't looked at my notes and I know you got stuff going on. It's my whole career. Um, and that's kind of how I, I go, man. Like I'm, I don't know. I I learned a lot from you, like literally watching you that first year where you were outside the arena asking fans like what they want, right? Okay, here we go. So, like, um, when I have a team of guys um, and a gal that on my team that, like, we've been through all this stuff together lately. Um, my last job uh, review was they would paint your house for you. That was the review. And I was like, well, it's because I learned from you um, because I think basically everybody around the Cardiff Devils, it would be a player, it would be an equipment manager, it would be anybody would paint your house. Like if you asked, they would actually go there and paint your house because that's the way you treat people. And uh that's the way I've treated my people from learning from you. Um, so thank you. That's very nice. Honestly, it's, it means a lot. Thank you. I, I wish, uh, I, I hope, I hope more people feel like I've done something for them and I'm not, I'm not, not for personal gain. I just, I just, uh, sometimes it's nice to have wisdom. I wish I listened a little bit more to, to the older guys on my team that told me stuff when I was younger. Um, and I think, uh, I think everyone in life needs mentors or people to look up to. I'm very lucky because I've got four great guys that own the team that I can always bounce ideas and always look after. They've gone through a lot more than I have business-wise. And, um, and I've, got, I've got a lot of experience of screwing up. Like that's, <laughs> I screwed up a lot, messed, did some stupid things, done, done some dumb promotions, lost, you know, did terrible things for tickets, stupid ideas for season ticket holders. I've done a lot of dumb things and, and you kind of can find I've been lucky enough to have ownership that let me screw up a lot, especially, especially in Belfast. I got, I basically got to screw up for seven years and then come to Cardiff and, and, and take a lot of what I learned in Belfast and put it into place here. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I'd love to come on the show again. We can talk more. I, I, I love the stuff that you're doing. The guys are having a blast doing it and I'm sure the fans are loving it. And it's, it's good for us because our fans need more of this, especially during the last 12 months, uh, all the lockdown and, and lack of devil's games and stuff. It's been nice for them to have this to look forward to. 
um and you're cranking them out man fuck i don't know how you do it um, but, um uh, it's from learning from luke Peggett, buddy i learned from luke Peggett how to be efficient in a day and uh like you can get a lot of shit done in a day like you really can like like i'm doing my real job that there is no doubt about that that is number one um but like this is what I want to do in my spare time. And if I have spare time, this is yep. what I'm doing. Like, this is what I want to do. And if, if I got to uh, book a babysitter for two hours while we do this, then, uh, then so, yeah. I book a babysitter for two hours because that like you said one time, there should be more Wally, you know, <laughs> <laughs> everyone should have a little more Wally. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so let's, uh, yeah, let's do it again sometime. Thanks very much for having the show. I appreciate it. And no, thank you. And, uh, hopefully you make it home on time. I will. I will. (laughs) Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all Cause they got no rhythm And that's alright Some people they drink too much Some people don't drink enough Some people are just like me I hope y'all forgive them I'm like Scott and Tommy